Good day everyone and welcome to another episode of Ramble Shrapnel, the smaller yet not insignificant than our bigger podcast channel called Ramble Shamble. Yes, it's still part of the same podcast, but these are the shorter episodes which allows the more casual listener to listen to maybe in one go because we try to aim for these episodes to be around 15 to 20 minutes. Today, the host of the episode is myself, Mackie, again joined by the fabulous, wondrous Jotun. Say hello to the audience, Jotun. Hello, everyone. <laughs> or, uh, yes, guys. Uh, let, me, let me try to use a suave voice. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Ooh, I guess it's that kind of episode. <laughs> now, guys, uh, a little preemptive information for you guys. This will be a bit of a darker episode or, how to say, a more factual episode. They're not uh, quite dark. It's just the uh, facts can be a bit daunting for most people. So, we are going to be talking about World War One because the main episode of this shrapnel is real world battles, and we we thought that it was just to speak to speak about one of the world wars. They are a very touchy subject, and we are aware we do not condone any of the wars, but we want to talk about some of the true horrors of war and why war is not really a was never a good thing for any side or all the world itself. Pretty much the reason why it's called World War. <laughs> but guys, uh, we just wanted to let you guys know that beforehand. If you guys are not into this kind of topic, there are plenty of other episodes on our podcast that's from the main Ramble Shamble or from our smaller Ramble Shrapnel. Yeah, and you this, guys can have a listen to that. This one is more for the nerds, less about the geeks. Uh, yes. And especially the history buffs. 100%. So, I, being a man of science and engineering, know facts about the World War, but I'm, I'm sure Jotun can kind of like reveal things that I'll go, really? Is that really what happened? So, I'm going to be kind of like the question asker rather than talking, giving my two cents of the situation, really. So, Jotun, I think it's only just that we start off in, why was World War One? classified as world war do you perhaps know that reason so world war one was classified as the first world war because it's the don't quote me on this everybody because i'm just going off of logic and my head here but it's the first war which truly encompassed a reach that spread across the whole entire world because of how the opposing sides in the engagement or, or the many engagements grouped with one another and formed coalitions together. Now, there were coalitions in the past that happened with different nationalities and different polities, but they were just on a smaller scale. So, for example, now, one of the earliest um, coalitions that we hear about comes from ancient Greece, where on one of the stelae that talk about uh, people invading Egypt, it says there was a coalition of 12 city-states um, from like Syria or Canaan around those areas. And then it like just the sort of rambles off 12 tribes. But this was the first one where you had basically half of Europe and most of the Western world against uh, the other 
half of Europe, Russia, and a large majority of Asia as well. And so, yeah, it's it's the first truly intercontinental war. Crazy, hey? And just to clarify, this is the, because World War One didn't really have that the kind of explosive manpower that we do have, it, well, which was used in World War Two, correct? It was not to say that they didn't have like proper guns, but they didn't have like ma- uh, ma- weapons of mass destruction, really, did they? At first, they didn't. So, um, one of the reasons why World War One was called the Great War is because. The, the scale at which there was human suffering and human death had never been seen before. Um, like granted, in comparison with the, the, the Second World War and probably some modern ga- engagements as well, it's actually fairly common numbers with, re- with regards to the casualties and such. Um, I'm not sure of the numbers, but it was in the millions. Um, but one of the reasons why it was called the Great War is because there was actually a huge amount of technological advancements and advancements in warfare specifically that actually came about. Now, just to to go over a few of them, um, I'm just going to give them to you in a list form because we don't, we we certainly don't have the time to actually cover them. <laughs> um, it was the first time there were tanks flamethrowers, poison gas, tracer bullets, interrupter gear, air traffic control, um, and everything, Uh, depth charges, hydrophones, aircraft carriers, pilotless drones, mobile x-rays, sanitary napkins. Surely everyone's heard about the fact that there was a starter kit of like cocaine and heroin that would, would literally be like a little personal med pack that you'd get as a soldier. Um, but then there was, it was also the first time for heavy artillery, machine guns, uh, motorized transport, uh, truly high, ex- like big explosives, uh, field radios and telephones, aerial reconnaissance cameras, and yeah, just like general medicine and science that was also improving. So there were a lot of unknowns and a lot of things that people didn't know how to plan for with regards to strategy. No, 100%. And I can also give my two cents about war being a very strong catalyst for innovative ideas because obviously you're trying to, you're trying to dominate the other side, but at the same time, you need to be smart about it because if uh, basically why World War II was so scary at that time because bombs were a lot more accessible with planes and things, and it was something that was really like if a world war would have were to happen, which Russia has been poking around a little bit currently, it would be a lot more catastrophic than what we've seen because obviously our technology has advanced to such a degree that it doesn't require a great war because something we definitely have to touch on are the trenches of World War One, and part of the reasons why those trenches had to be there it was. I didn't have nearly the kind of engineering that we have to today's standards, where if we wanted to, we could make an ATTE from Star Wars with a giant four-legged mechanical horror 
and have it slowly but surely walk its way to victory. Um, but that that's definitely something that's why war is a very strong catalyst because you have to try to everyone is motivated to discover or to invent something that will save their families, friends, and their people. And that's that's why part of the reasons why there was that massive race for who would make break it into space or who would land on the moon first, Russia or the U- US. Uh, strong catalyst because there's competition and something to fight uh, to claim that we are the victors of this battle that we sought out for. But let's go back to the trenches. So, Jotun, I would love to hear your two cents about the trenches because I don't know why I'm saying two cents often lately, but <laughs> nonetheless, watching too um, much game ranks. Oh, too much apparently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the the trenches. So I've played a few games, and this one horror game comes to my mind. I, f- I can't quite remember its name, but it's, this horror game is based in a World War One trench, where you are obviously walking around, and the it's almost like an SCP kind of situation where there's just horrors behind almost every corner, but like back rooms fused with the trenches. Now. I know trenches used to be or are horrible places to be where disease was rampant, death was high, and it was just a really meek place to be into. Are you able to elaborate on that kind of ideas and understanding that I have? Yeah, so um, it, it definitely, that they definitely weren't a place for people with weak will. Uh, or people with like a generally meek personality or anything like that, because they were a terrible place to be. Um, It was like terrible raining weather uh, for a lot of the time. And you would be inside these trenches with the goal of slowly advancing towards the enemy lines so that you could capture territory or or something like that. But... You would be lucky if you moved forward even like a foot a day or a meter a day. So you could go weeks in this wet, muddy weather with people dying around you. Um, You naturally have to go to the toilet and stuff as well and eat there as well. So it's like you're there with human waste right next to you. You have to eat. There are corpses lying around you that are busy rotting. Uh, it's very likely that the corpse of your best friend could be lying next to you for a week or two. You don't have the chance to bury him or even give him any kind of attention because there's open gunfire happening above you all the time. There's like we we don't realize why exactly the poetry. And uh, I think generally just the poetry of people who came back from the Great War was so dark and, to put it honestly, very depressing. Uh, It's like poignant poignant stuff. Um, But it's because of that, like, truly brutal lived experience. And I recently learned about something that made that whole reality very close to home for me as well. And that's that because it was in this age where there was so much scientific advancement and industrialization and growth that was being seen in the entire world, um, 
everybody who actually participated in the Great War believed that they would be home in two weeks' time, having been victorious in the war. And so, literally, the lovers of the people that went to the war would send them with like a flower, believing that when they come back in two weeks' time, the, their partner would come home with that same flower um, before it had a chance to wilt. Now, you can imagine just how crestfallen any population or person would be, um, thinking that I'm going to go to like this, this battlefront and we're going to dominate because look how awesome and quickly things are progressing, progressing at back, like back home. Um, there's no way we can lose. And so you go to the, the front lines and, uh, it's just nothing like you, you expected. Not only are people dying around you all the time, but you're, uh, uh, sorry to be a bit crass, people, but you're in the shit and piss and mm. amongst the rotting corpses of your team uh, or your, your, uh, your brethren and your best friend is maybe dead next to you for like a week. And if you're one of the lucky few who actually survived to go back home. Imagine the kinds of effect, like the, the effects of that that kind of stuff would have on you, have on your soul. And now imagine it's the first time there's something like heavy artillery guns that are just pummeling every, like basically every minute of every day. Um, because there was so much, there was such a an abundance of metal and gunpowder and stuff. It's the industrial revolution, but it's the first time that that stuff is being thrown at people. We don't know the scales at which that can like destroy a human body or anything like that. Um, and maybe uh. you're a survivor of like mustard gas, who knows, but you come home and that's why it's the first time that we ever heard of things like shell shock, post-traumatic stress disorder, because those episodes was such a harsh reality. Sorry to have gone so, so dark there, people, but we really do have a, a watered-down and a glamorized view of war. And even before um, the, the Great War and modern warfare, War was really, really brutal. Um, and I, I, I confess to, it's likely the same with you, Mackie. Like, we, we find video games and stuff fun. It's, it's just, mm. it's engaging. That's what engages human consciousness. Um, because we view it as something that's a challenge and something that gives us a goal and that we can overcome. But, uh, it's, you know, it's a picture on a screen. It's not something we have to deal with. Dude, I struggle not to cry if I stub my toe in the middle of the night <laughs> or something. Um, so we just, we can't imagine what it's like to be there. Well, that, that, that's where I have to say that the people in the trenches or the men that had to go down in those and fight a battle, which I'm sure in their hearts and their minds after because this war went on for at least roughly four years after the first or so year they knew 
this was not going to be a short war. They mm. knew this was going to be a, a journey. And it's something where they, they, they could have just abandoned it and obviously could have just uh, one side or both sides could have just dropped their guns and moved on. But there, there was obviously so much going on in the war that either side believed that if they did, if they just took the easy route where they could have just said, nope, I'm not going there. They knew their livelihoods, their families, their friends could have all been destroyed and without their protection. And that's why we do have to honor for the people who did fight the good fight. But guys, that is going to be the conclusion of this episode. We could continue to talk about this. And if you guys do want to see it, obviously, Hit a like, hit that five-star rating, whatever podcasting platform you decide to listen to us or maybe you're watching us on YouTube. But guys, again, we, we apologize if we made you feel upset, but we do not condone war. We just talk about the facts, the logic behind it. And we don't want everyone to have this glamorous view of that, oh, war wasn't so bad. War was pretty dark. And we have to acknowledge that in order for us to be aware of that war is never the right option to do or to fight. But yeah. guys, again, anything from you, Yurton, before we conclude this episode? Yeah, I think um, granted how brutal and cruel warfare can actually be, um, To just to go a bit further with what you were saying towards the end there, um, I think that even for what we view as our enemies, we we really should respect them at least in at least at the very least for the conviction of their beliefs and their willpower. And we have to respect that they believed so much in what they were fighting for that they were willing to die for it. And I think that regardless of the atrocity of war, that is that's a that's a respect that we can pay any kind of warrior like just um believing in what you're doing that so much that you're willing to die for it yeah yeah nice, even nice even 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 people that are just looking for riches like the vikings you know if you are just a, <laughs> a raiding dude if you're willing to die for what what you're doing then i think you deserve some modicum of respect Agreed. Okay, guys, I think that's all the time we have for this little episode of Ramble Shrapnel. If you guys enjoyed this, don't forget to listen to the main episode where Yosin and I battle against each other with the best of strategies, maybe also a bit of fun in there as well. But guys, again, we hope you guys enjoyed this little shrapnel of an episode and will join us for our main one or another shrapnel. Who knows? So until then, sign off from Mackie. Goodbye, everyone, and don't get too gloomy out there.